song just says, uh, wrap me in your arms, and I think we've all been, but whether you're in one right now, or you have been, or you may be getting ready to go in one, just a point in your life where you just need to feel Jesus' hugs, amen, and you just need to know He's there, so this song, it's not real hard, it's something that's been around for several years, but I don't know, I just feel like as a church, with all the craziness and everything going on, we just need to bind together as a family and just say, God, just wrap me in your arms.
Father, I just thank you for today, God. I would just pray that, uh, God, those that are hurting right now, God, those that are going through some stuff, I just pray that you would just wrap your loving arms around them, God. They would feel your presence in their life, God, like never before. God, speak to us today through your word, through Pastor Ben, God. Let us leave here changed in your name. We love you. We thank you. We're blessed. Amen. Glad you're here, everybody. You look awesome today. Uh, good weather. It's a little bit cooler this week than last week, and uh, hopefully we won't be long because my phone has got 41% on the uh, battery power, so it's not going to be long this week. Uh, but this week's message is entitled The World's First Cruise Ship. And I'm sure from that title alone, you can figure out what topic we're going to cover or who we're going to cover as far as a Bible story. So the world's first cruise ship. Who would like to have been on the world's first cruise ship? Wouldn't that be awesome? How many's ever been on a cruise ship? Anybody show of hands? Awesome. A lot of people on cruise ships. That's where Leslie and I took our, uh, what's it called, uh, honeymoon and uh we went out on a boat, and it was pretty awesome because it was a big boat. And I went on a, a deep fi- a sea fishing trip one time when I was a young kid. Mom and them took us to Virginia Beach, and I threw up all over the place and all that. Anybody, anybody ever done that on a boat, get out there on a the deep sea fishing thing? You don't want to do that. It's kind of nasty on a little boat out on the big water. Uh, so uh, I wouldn't recommend that if you've got a little bit of queasy stomach at all. But... Uh, the big boats are pretty cool because you get on a big boat and it, you can't even really feel it. I mean, we went through some storms even on the big cruise ship and really you couldn't even feel it or sense uh, that you wasn't even on dry ground even. It was a pretty awesome experience. And uh, I actually gained 10 pounds in five days because I ate lots of ice cream up on that upper deck. So that was pretty awesome, getting a lot of ice cream. Anybody like ice cream? Ice cream, you scream. We all scream for ice cream. Everybody scream. Ice cream, Yeah. We like ice cream. Too bad we don't have some right here. It cools down a little bit. So the world's first cruise ship is a story about Noah. I'm sure that most all of us have heard uh, the biblical accounts of the story of Noah and how that he built the boat. And it's there is a Noah's Ark that's down in northern Kentucky that uh, the guy built a few years ago and put into. Uh, it's a place where you can take your kids, and it, it's good, even good for adults if you don't have kids and don't have children. Uh, It's really awesome experience to go see Noah's Ark, so I would recommend that. If you've never been, you ought to go because it uh, has a lot of information on it that you can uh, look through different things and videos, and it talks about different things that happened on the boat, and it's a really cool experience. So if you've never been, I would recommend going. Uh, We spend our money on a lot uh, worse things than that, and it would be a good experience for you and your kids if you want to do that, but also for adults as well. And when I was thinking about the story of Noah and how that, uh, what topic I would like to cover, and the note out beside of it that I put last year was that Noah was a person that had obedience to God. And that's the topic I want us to cover today is about obedience to God and what that means and what that looks like and how that it affects society and how that it affects our community and how it affects all those around us and how important obedience to God is and obedience to his word and obedience to what he asked us to do. And God asked us to do some things throughout our life and 
whether we pay attention or whether we listen is up to us. And it never ends, really. It don't matter really how old you get or how long you've been in this Christian faith. It's not like obedience. You meet that milestone and you never have to deal with it anymore, that it's over. It's a continuum throughout your life. And it will continue throughout the remainder of life. So I believe as long as you're breathing, that you have a chance to obey God. That you have a chance to obey his word, that you have to listen to him. And there's all kinds of verses in the Bible, but I want to go through several different ones when talking about Noah and the big boat, the cruise. But basically what I looked at when I was beginning to read through Genesis chapter 6 and how that Moses was writing down some things about Noah and writing the story down about Noah and building the boat and the different things that he did. Basically, the world was on cruise control. The world felt like they had their thumb on the power button to say what would work or what would not work. Noah was tripping on obedience. The rest of the world was tripping on control and manipulation. And as I thought about that topic and thought about that from that perspective that Noah and his family was obeying God while the rest of the world was doing whatever they wished. They was doing whatever they wanted. What was right in their own eyes. And in the world we're living in today, how many feels like that's still the case? Amen. That we're living in a time, in a generation where that the world wants to do what it wants to do. But if anything needs to be spoken or anything needs to be said, like we said last week, you got to speak and then shut up, right? Anybody have to practice that this week? I failed miserably when we went out to eat right after service last week. How many's ever ordered something and want what you ordered? Anybody ordered something at a restaurant and you want what you ordered? So I did that and they didn't give me what I wanted. And I become a jerk. Everybody say, my pastor's a jerk. He's a big jerk face. Amen. Wherever you preach something and you try to teach something and you try to uh, uh, live a life that's well-pleasing to God, I'm here to tell you right now, the minute you say you're going to try to do better, there's somebody that's the enemy to your soul that's going to come after you and he's going to try to manipulate you and cause you to do things you don't want to do. I didn't want to do it, but I was mad because they seasoned my fries. It was the end of the world, Earl. I couldn't believe it. They, they seasoned my fries. What is wrong with a world that wants to season your fries? I mean, literally. I grew up with Bonnie. She never salts anything. No salt. Nothing. I don't like any. I don't want any. I want mama's cooking. You know what? When you want mama's cooking, don't go to the restaurant. Amen. Amen. You need to go to mama's house if you want mama's cooking. So I failed miserably last week after that. I did repent. I did ask for forgiveness. How many believes God will forgive you every time you mess up, every time you turn your back on him, every time you walk away, every time you act out in disobedience? We serve a God that is a forgiving God. We serve a God that is, uh, he's our mediator. He's Jesus sitting on the throne of heaven. And the Bible says he's our mediator between us and God. And he's sitting there making intercession for you and me. He's praying that we will be successful. He's praying that we will live a life of obedience. He's praying for you. He's praying for me. And I thank God for that. But when the world thinks it's got life on cruise control, be aware of the times. 
Amen? When the world thinks it's got control of the situation, be aware of the times. And it's the same way on an individual basis. I'm talking about collectively as the world, when we think we have the power or the ability to control our destiny, be aware of the times. But when we also think on an individual basis that I've got control of the destiny of my life and where I'm going to go and what I'm going to do and how I'm going to act and what I'm going to be, be aware of the times. Dusty's preached on this several times uh, throughout his uh, messages that he's given here the past couple of years because he had a season of his life where that he had control. He had all the things he wanted. He had a good job. He had different things. He was climbing in, a, in an organization and, and doing what he wanted to do, doing what he loved to do, and thought that he was in control of his life. And then all of a sudden, God jerks the rug out from underneath his feet, and he finds himself unemployed. He finds himself without figuring out, do I need to cash in my 401k? Do I need to leave it in? Do I need to reinvest it? Do I need to do this? And all the control that he thought he had, God painted him a picture of, I am in control of your life. If you are my child, if you have proclaimed me as Lord of your life, then I, God, am in control of your life. And we as humans don't like that. I don't like giving up control. I don't like giving up areas of my life where that God can tell me what to do. But guess what? The sooner we live in obedience to God, the better off we'll be. Amen? That God will teach you and direct you and lead and guide your steps. The Bible is full of verses that talk about that. That he guides our steps. That the Holy Spirit goes before us. That he's a comforter. That he's our guide. So today I'm asking you, take your life off cruise control. Stop trying to control your destiny. Stop trying to have it your way. Because our ways are not his ways. And if we want to be a Christian, if we want to be a godly example to this world that we're living in and act out in our faith, we need to give up control ourselves and say, God, have your way in my life. Even if it's uncomfortable, even if I don't like it, even if I don't understand, even if it don't make sense, God, I give you control of my life. Do with me as you wish. Place me where you would have me be. Call me to do what you asked me to do. Give me the ability to do those things. Obedience, the word, means compliance with an order or request, a law or submission to another's authority. When we speak of obedience, we're saying God has the, the power and the authority over our life. Noah is mentioned multiple times, this guy that built this great boat, that built this big ark, that did all this work. He, he is mentioned several times in the Bible. And the one that, that come to me first is the first story that we come to in the account of Genesis chapter 6. I love Genesis chapter 6 verse 8. It says, but Noah found favor with the Lord. This is before he's building the boat. Noah found favor with the Lord because he was in righteousness. Living a righteous life, which means in right standing with God. So Noah found favor with God. How many would like God's favor on your life? Amen. I would like for him, to, his favor to shine upon me. And I can attest to you today that I have lived a life 
of the favor of God since 1999 when I bowed my knees in an altar of prayer and I asked him to come in and be Lord of my life. Ever since that point, my life took a shift. I'm not saying I haven't had some storms. I'm not saying that I haven't had some seasons where I was uncomfortable. But I'm here to tell you today that I'm living a life that's in favor with God. That when I'm walking in righteousness with him, that the favor of God is placed on my life. That his shines his light upon me. And I know that I'm living with that favor. Noah had that. Genesis chapter 6 verse 22 said, But Noah did everything exactly as God had commanded him. How do you find favor with God? Do everything exactly as God commands you. When you read in his word and it says do this or don't do this. To live in righteousness is not standing with God is to do what he asks you to do. And as you do that, you're going to find that favor. And this is Moses, the Old Testament writer of the first five books of the Bible. He takes out several chapters of Genesis and writes this story of Noah. This is years and generations later that Moses is writing this down. And it's awesome that Noah is being proclaimed as an example for us to live by in the Bible. Noah did exactly as God had commanded him. Genesis chapter 7 verse 5 says, So Noah did everything as the Lord had commanded him. God didn't just say it once through Moses. He said it twice. The same exact phrase, the same exact term is where God through Moses is writing this down that's saying Noah did everything that God commanded him to do. Once you look over at your neighbor and tell him, do everything. Everybody tell your neighbor, everybody say, do everything God has commanded you to do. When we do that, the favor of God is going to shine upon us. And we as a people here at the bridge want to be a people that has the favor of God. Amen? That God's favor rests upon us. That we can walk in grace and walk in mercy and walk in the goodness of God. That I can have the peace of God that passes all understanding. In the midst of troubles, in the midst of trials, in the midst of all this circumstances that I have no control over. Guess what? God does. And that's okay with me. So not only Moses mentioned Noah. My favorite verse in the Bible. My my absolute favorite scripture in the Bible. The first one that I memorized was Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6. It says, but without faith, it's impossible to please God. For those that come to him must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. But without faith, it's impossible to please God. We have to have faith in the midst of our storm. We have to have faith in the midst of our trial. We have to have faith in the midst of when we don't understand and some things we don't even have reasoning about. So Paul writes down in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7, the next verse after my favorite one. And it says, it was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family. How many would like to see your family saved? Amen. Amen. Noah built a large boat. He didn't build a little boat. He didn't build a little kayak or a canoe or any of those things. He built a big boat. Your faith will allow you to build a big enough boat for your family to come into the kingdom of God. Amen, parents. Build a big enough boat. Build a big enough boat of faith where everybody says, why are you building such a big boat? You just got got three kids. Noah, what's wrong with you? Why are you building such a big boat? 
It's never rained. What's wrong? You're crazy, man. And he's looking at me. He's saying, by faith. Amen. I'm walking by faith and not by sight. I'm walking by the voice of God saying, go get some lumber and bring it out here. Log it out. Drag it out. Now, I can imagine the mules he had pulling some logs. Amen. And dragging them down there and hewing them out. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of hard work logging. And as Noah got them down there and he started to piece them together and chuck them together, everybody in the community was looking at him laughing, mocking him, ridiculing him, saying, why are you doing that? Because I got faith. And I'm here to tell you today, Christians, that whenever you're walking by faith, the people of this world that wants to do autopilot and be on cruise control is going to look at you and say, you're crazy. Why are you serving a God that you can't hear, that you can't see, that you can't witness? They don't have an understanding of what I'm hearing. They don't have an understanding of what I'm seeing. I'm here to tell you today, walk by faith. Noah did it. He built a big boat, his family. And he obeyed God. He had obedience to God. Who warned him about things he had never seen before. By his faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world. And he received the righteousness that comes by faith. Righteousness comes by faith. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God it says in Romans. Amen. If you need some faith today, you need to hear some scripture. You need to hear some Christian music. You need to hear some preaching. Why? Because faith comes by hearing. Amen. And I want to hear what God has to say about situations in my life. So if you're facing something that you haven't seen before, if you're facing something you're going through right now, and it seems like your world is falling apart, and it's coming apart at the seams, guess what? Listen to some preaching. Listen to some singing. Listen to some people witnessing about the goodness of God in their life. Look around because God's having some people build some boats today. Amen. He's got some people acting out in faith. Another guy in Scripture that mentions Noah is Peter, the great apostle Peter. Jesus' sidekick that he took into close proximity to him. And, and Jesus would take Peter and James and John, and he would take them up in these different times and speak to them directly as a small core group of his disciples. And Peter, later on, he mentions Noah. 1 Peter 3.20 says this, Those who disobeyed God long ago when God waited patiently. How many believes God is a long-suffering God? That He lets us go farther than we ought to go. That He gives us more room and more ground than what we should be having. God is a patient God, I promise you He is today. Because if He was impatient, He would have already come and took back over this world and took it under His reign and His rule and His leadership. But guess what? He's given us the ability to go on to give people a chance to come to the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's long-suffering towards us. I promise you today, He's given you room to repent. He's given you room. He's given you time that you don't deserve. Don't wait too long. Peter said they disobeyed God long ago and God waited patiently. And they did this while Noah was building his boat. God waited while Noah was building the boat. And only eight people were saved from drowning that terrible flood. Verse 21, 1 Peter 3, 21. And that water is a picture of baptism. A picture This cruise ship, the first one, was a picture 
of what was just to come through the Lord Jesus Christ and him proclaiming to be baptized in his name, to be cleansed from all unrighteousness, to accept the grace and the mercy of God. Only eight people were saved in that flood. You go back to study and you can read all different kinds of things. A lot of people have a lot of different opinions about how many people was on the planet at that day. Some people estimate in, even in the trillions of people that was living on the planet when Noah's flood happened. It wasn't Noah's flood, it was God's flood. There's coming a flood. God promised through a rainbow that he would never flood this earth again with water. But there's a fiery flood that's coming. And it's going to burn away the chaff. It's going to burn away the dross. God will consume. He's an all-consuming fire. And he's going to burn this world we're living in. And it's going to be consumed with fire next time. And this picture of the baptism. We need to be water baptized. Amen. If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and you've given him your life, you need to be water baptized. It's not a suggestion. It's not something God just says, do it if you feel like it. He's saying through his word and he's commanding through his word that you be water baptized. And today I'm proclaiming that to you, that through God's scripture, he's expecting you to get in the water, get dunked, and go down in obedience to what his word says. And it don't make any sense. And a lot of people say, that's crazy. What does that have to do with anything? But guess what? If God's word says it, that's good enough for me. Amen. If he tells me to be water baptized and that's an act of obedience, I'm going to do it. When I did my water baptism, the enemy tried to use it against me. Because I was too dumb and I was too hick and I was too from Lewis County to be up there in Raceland. That's where I went to church was Raceland, Kentucky. And I went in and there's a bunch of old women back there in the back. And the church I went to was about 400 people and had a lot of different stuff going on. And Pastor Wells, they, you know, they was doing a water baptism Sunday night. And he, he says, anybody else? Because other people had signed up and got registered to baptize, be baptized and and he asked Pastor Wells, anybody else out here want to act in obedience to God's command to tell you to be water baptized? And I was sitting there with my cowboy boots on, my blue jeans. And I thought, well, but now's a good time as any. I might as well go on up and get on in the water. Amen. I went up there, and there's these two older ladies that was in there. And it's in the back. And I'm a hoodlum from Lewis County. I don't know any better. I'm a hilljack. I ain't city life type people. And I walk up there and get in that back room. And these two old ladies sitting in there, and they give me this big blue robe. They hand it to me, and I, I wasn't back in the back before. I didn't know how it went, Dennis. And I was standing there, and they said, well, you, you're going to put that robe on. I said, okay, do I leave my shirt on? They said, you, you can, you whatever. So I just take my shirt off, and they're like, oh! <laughs> because I'm pretty white, you can tell by my legs. It's like, what's wrong with this guy? And when I got water baptized that night, on the ride home, the enemy started working on mine, and he's saying, don't ever go back there. You embarrassed yourself. When you act in obedience, I promise you this, that the enemy of your soul will begin to play on your mind to tell you, you're doing stupid stuff. You've embarrassed yourself. You've, what are you doing that for? But guess what I did next Sunday? I got up and I went to church, Dennis. You know why? Because that's where God called me to be. And when I promised him, I gave him my life. And when I give that water baptism, when I got dunked in that water, I was doing it in obedience. I'd rather be in obedience to God and disobedience to the devil. Amen. I'd rather do what God asked me to do, even if the world says I'm crazy. Even if the world says that little Lewis County hoodlum don't need to be up here. 
Graceland ain't a place for your kind. Them old women didn't, didn't say that at all. It was the enemy telling me that. And I promise you this, that Sister Frances, she hooked my neck probably more than anybody up there at that church. One of the old ladies that I flashed. I just scarred them for life. Hopefully everybody's baptism experience is not like that. We've had it all here at the bridge, though. We took a bunch down there to be baptized one time over here, and the boy's in the background swimming. Old Tommy, I remember him. He's swimming in the background. I was like, just go ahead. You want to get baptized too? We'll, we'll do that too. That's just Lewis County for you. Amen. But the person that mentioned Noah that I want to speak about just for a second is the best account, the best person you could ever have to mention your name. This person that mentioned Noah, his name is Jesus. It's in Matthew chapter 25 that Jesus mentions the name Noah. How many wants Jesus to mention your name? Amen. That Jesus knows you by name. And how awesome is that? That Jesus is making mention of this man named Noah. Sure, Paul knows my name. Sure, Peter knows my name. Sure, Moses knows my name. But if anybody I want to know my name, I want Jesus to know my name. And if you're sitting here today and you think sitting here thinking, well, I don't know if Jesus knows me or not, today would be a good day to give your life to him. Today would be a good day to act in obedience and say, Jesus, I ask you to be Lord of my life. And the Bible says that he will write your name down in the Lamb's book of life. And whenever we enter through those gates someday, our name's going to be written there. And guess what? That's going to be a good day. Amen. When Jesus knows you by name, Jesus says his name. It's Matthew chapter 24. It says, in those days before the flood, Jesus is saying this, the people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered his boat. Jesus knew about this first cruise. Jesus knew about this big boat. And Jesus knows you. If he knows this little wild crazy man that built a big old boat to save eight people and did all that work and acted out all that faith and walked in obedience for hundreds of years Noah lived. He knows little people. He knows people with crazy faith. That's the kind of faith I want to have. The faith where the rest of the world's walking around and they're so troubled and perplexed and worried and walking in all these things and I want to be walking in faith. Amen, that I'm going to walk by faith and not by sight, and I'm going to march through this world, and I'm going to have the favor of God chasing me, and I'm going to live in obedience, and I'm going to do what God asked me to do. And guess what's going to happen? Jesus knows you, he sees you, and he's blessing you for doing what he's asked you to do. 1 Samuel 15, 22 says, But Samuel replied, What is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and your sacrifices? Or your obedience to his voice. Listen 
Obedience is better than sacrifice. And submission is better than offering fat and rams. God loves obedience. Not because he's a dictator, but because he knows his plan is a better plan for your life. He knows that his ways are better than your ways. And today he's speaking to your heart. I promise you this. And he's telling you, do the things I'm asking you to do. Believe in me when others say it's crazy. And watch what I will do through you. Why don't you bow your head and close your eyes if you will. This man named Noah, he was tripping on obedience. There was so much obedience in what he was doing and what he was living and how he was working and what he was saying and what he was preaching and what he was living out before his community. He was tripping on obedience. And it was recognizable by all those around him. And sometimes even his kids, I'm sure, walked up to him and said, Dad, I'm tired of this. It's never rained. Why are you building a boat? Parents, listen to me. The best example you can live out for your kids is this, is a life of obedience to God. Hear me, parents. When you live a life of obedience to God, I promise you this, that when the rains come and when the floodwaters begin to raise up and your kids are sitting there in that boat of salvation, they're going to look back and they're going to call you blessed according to Scripture. Be that parent that walks in obedience to God. Your kids will thank you. Noah was tripping on obedience. How about you? I want you to just ask God right now if you would, right there where you're sitting. I just want you to ask Him. Just talk to Him like you would talk to your wife. Talk to Him like you would talk to your mom, to your dad. And ask our Heavenly Father. Ask Him, say, am I acting and living in obedience to what you've asked me to do? Everybody's head bowed, eyes closed, nobody looking around. If you're here today and you're saying, Pastor, Pastor Ben, I don't, 
I'm having trouble with obedience to God and I'm living through some troubles and some trials right now and I'm having a hard time of walking by faith and I need help. I need God to give me some assistance. I want you to raise your hand. Does anybody here say, that's me. Amen. Thank you for that hand. Hands everywhere. Amen. Just lift up your hand and say, that's me. I need to live in obedience. And today I'm asking God, help me. Thank you for those hands. Hallelujah. I want everybody here to just pray this prayer with me. Everybody say, Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I'm asking you to help me to live a life of obedience to you and to your word. Let your favor rest on me. God, I'm asking for your grace. I'm asking for your mercy. Jesus, please know my name and write it in the Lamb's Book of Life. I need you. I can't do this on my own. I need your help. And you're my help. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.